0: On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we roam Banks Peninsula. We start in Littleton, bursting with creative temptations. Enjoy some island jaunts and explore the charms of Akaroa.
1: Further afield, we bucket list our way to South America, to Cusco and Iguazu Falls.
0: That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters.
1: We're back with Kiwi Tripsters
0: Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters, I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley, great to be with you Andrew for another weekly roam. Indeed it is, let us start this week's roaming in the Mighty Banks Peninsula, and fresh from hosting GP, the harbour town of Littleton. Post-quake, Littleton's street cred has rocketed.
1: Certainly has, it really has come into its own. Uh, The port town's raffish, historic charm is still there in spades, Andrew's always after a bit of raffish charm. Oh, I am, yes. Uh, But I think post-quake, it's also been overlaid with a very cool ethos. Um, Quite grungy, actually. Quite boho. Very villagey. And it's really gone ahead in leaps and bounds.
0: I think my most memorable time in Littleton was when I rounded the street and ran smack bang into Michael J. Fox. Oh, so he was doing... Frighteners. Yes, yes, yes. Mm.
1: Mm. Now, Littleton is chocker with creative types and a lot of musos. Yes. Uh, Littleton is a hotbed for New Zealand's alternative folk country scene. So I'm sure you've heard of Marlon Williams. Oh, yes. They claim the likes of Mel Parsons, Nadia Reed. Yep. So the creative prowess positively purrs in Littleton from your potters to your jewellers to your green-fingered plant artists. Uh, There are recycled clothing boutiques. And what I love about Littleton, when you go down, say, like London Street... All of the bars and cafes advertise all sorts of weird and wonderful gigs. There are poetry readings. Oh, yeah. And Littleton is a very bookish place with a lot of secondhand stores, and surely one of New Zealand's best magazine shops, Leslie's Bookshop. They stock over 2,000 magazine titles.
0: I know. You can go in there and sort of look at your watch, and you realise a few hours have passed. And yes. And you're thinking... Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. Now, London Street is, of course, the beating heart. Every Saturday, the street bursts into life with the buzzy Littleton Farmer's Market. This is so authentic.
1: Yeah. Arguably one of the nation's best. As you bag some fresh buffalo mozzarella from Little River, super plump strawberries and jars of spicy salsas, there's always a very perky crowd grazing on the streets, taking in the live music and eating the treats.
0: Now, the thing about Littleton is it's not a place you can go to and go, oh, oh, where can I get a coffee? It's, holy heck, uh, which place do I go to? And if you're like me, you'll have a coffee here, then one there, then one there.
1: It's the sort of place where you can be a coffee snob.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Because they just raise the bar so high. Leslie's Bookshop, where you've got all those mags, they share the same building as the Littleton Coffee Company. And this cafe, I reckon, is Littleton personified. Yeah. You walk in there, you'll see businessmen in their pinstripes, holding meetings right next to some heavily tattooed port workers with dreadlocks it's that sort of place
0: and they have absolutely fantastic coffee too yeah yeah
1: civil and naval i love this place oh yeah So it's a seriously cool little tapas bar. It's housed in a revitalised old brick building, so you've got all of that sort of heritage vibe. Local craft beer, cocktails, great food, and the sharing menu is dotted with all sorts of memorable plates like deliciously good deep-fried cauliflower with maple and chipotle. Hmm. Uh, There are larger options too, things like ginger beer battered fish with pickle and preserved lemon. I think that's got your name on it.
0: Indeed it has. Yes. The iconic launch pad for so, so many musicians is a legendary Littleton watering hole called the Wonder Bar.
1: Did we ever get drunk and disorderly there? I've got a feeling we might have gone there once. I wouldn't admit to it. (laughs) Andrew can't remember it. It's probably one of the first bars I used to actually frequent. Legally. Legally? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if it was legally. (laughs) I was going to say. I think the first time I went there, I was still at St. Beads. And at (laughs) at that point...
0: The drinking age was 20. So let me say it's not legally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is the weirdest, coolest little bar and live music venue in New Zealand. And it's a show-stopping sensory treat. And they have changed it over the years, but currently... You just walk into this really eccentric space, doll heads, pinned to the walls, planetary mirror balls. You'd struggle to find a venue that stamps such an impression. And every Wednesday, by the way, is open mic and jam night. That's not me, that's open mic M-I-C. Mm-hmm. Yes. So don't come along and say, it's Mikey, I've got the jam. But get amongst it every Wednesday.
0: (laughs) Yes, I always remember walking down the main street of Littleton, and you could hear the music pumping up the stairwell from Wonder Bar at any any time of the weekend. It was fantastic. (laughs) Now, beyond the township, there's some great island jaunts in the middle of the harbour, Quail Island. Now... Everybody who's grown up in Christchurch will know Quail Island. Family trips, school trips, scout trips, brownies trips, whatever. (laughs) Quail Island was a (laughs) must-do. And it was once used as a quarantine facility. When I say facility, that's the loose use of the term because it was an island where they buggered them off to. Uh, People with leprosy.
1: Mm. Mm. I've always found it really strange that at the same time, that the lepers were confined to their one small bay, you had Antarctic explorers... Scott and Shackleton taking advantage of the island to train their sled dogs and ponies before they set off on their rather ill-fated voyages. But just so much history on this island. It's a very easy 15-minute ferry ride from Littleton Harbour, from the port. And during the summer months, through until about the end of April, early May, Black Cat cruisers operate a twice-daily schedule. So it makes for a great little half-day trip Cool walking tracks, a flutter with native birds, and a really big ship graveyard, which is very cool.
0: I vividly remember going to Quail Island. I think it was about standard two. And on the boat over, the teacher made the stupid mistake of telling the class that it used to be a leper colony. Now, of course, the whole class got paranoid that they were going to catch leprosy. <laughs> It's <laughs> like so she spent the rest of the trips. So I know you can't get, but what if? <laughs>
1: Very impressionable oh, young Catholic boys oh, and girls from Christ
0: the King, was it? Yes, it was indeed, yes. yes. Another great jaunt is to Ripper Island. Ripper was an ideal site for a fortified pa, mm. Naitahu style, and later uh, a fortress to defend against possible foreign enemy attacks. Oh,
1: yes. We got very paranoid about this, didn't we, in New well, Zealand? Yeah, we did a bit, yeah. Who's going to knock us over? Come and steal our sheep. Exactly. So the fortress was developed to repel the threat of advancing Russian then German, then Japanese invaders. Probably also Australian-American and UK, but yeah. Yes, exactly. And then there's those Canadians. Oh, Oh, we don't trust the Canadians. We don't trust anyone. No, that's pretty much the motto here. Um, A marauding German captain, Count Felix von Luckner, he was captured in the last days of World War II and was incarcerated on the island for over 100 days. And you can still see his signature etched into a wall of one of the island's buildings. But if you take a day trip there today, there's also those giant disappearing guns. We talked about these down in Otago Peninsula a few weeks ago.
0: I suggested sending them to the Ukraine. Yes. to the Armstrong disappearing guns. The Armstrong guns, Mm -hmm. yes.
1: There are mazes of underground tunnels, torpedo stores, bunkers, and all sorts of tales of skirmishes with the fearsome northern rampager to
0: Oh, what
1: about Ohinetahi? Yes, if you need something a little bit botanical and uh, floral to lighten the mood. <laughs> you'd need to after that. <laughs> yes, down the harbour to Governor's Bay, you will find Ohinetahi. It is a garden of international significance, and underpinning its acclaim is the fact that Ohinetahi incorporates garden displays, architectural works, art and sculpture all into the one site. So it all began back in 1865 with um, Thomas Potts. He began the planting.
0: Now, in the mid-1970s, Sir Miles Warren, very famous name, his sister Pauline and her husband John Trengrove bought the property. Now, after restoring the ramshackle 19th century homestead, the three set about establishing a very very grand garden.
1: It is mind-blowing, yeah. And Pauline is a respected artist. She combined her talents with the architects uh, led by Sir Miles. Uh, what a trinity, these three. Over the years, the garden has expanded, taking in a woodland walkway across a swing bridge. There are two dozen contemporary sculptures on site. You can get lost in a maze of hedges, roses, native plantings. There are gazebos. You've got serene settings creating dreamy, fairy tales vibes. And about now, of course, as we head into autumn, you'll get all of those fiery hues in the trees.
0: It is certainly worth a visit. Now, coming up, we further uh, go into Banks Peninsula to the French infused town of Akaroa. Back in a moment. You're back with Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew as we explore the joys of Banks Peninsula. If you look at a map, it's a curious geographic feature, like a giant thumbprint that Captain Cook mistook as an island. Because <laughs> you couple that with Taylor's mistake,
1: that they muffed up a few of the uh, landings in New Zealand. They did. This is true. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, looking at that map, this bulbous blob of land jutting off the Canterbury coast was formed from the remnants of two ancient volcanoes. And as Andrew said, James Cook assumed it was an island. It wasn't. He would have actually been correct if he had sailed by (laughs) in 18,000 BC, because at that point in time, it was actually separated from the mainland. Yes. And then glacial rocks washing down the rivers from the Alps ended up joining Banks Peninsula with the mainland. But prior to that, yeah, the likes of Akaroa Harbour was part of a giant volcanic island.
0: Now, the drive to Akarawa is very cool. And Little River is a great first stop when you're coming from Christchurch.
1: I love the Little River Gallery. Mm. So if you're into your art, particularly eclectic art, uh, this is a real showcase of local and New Zealand craftspeople at the Little River Gallery. Uh, housed on the former railway station. Also, lording over the roadside, one of the quirkiest accommodation options in the South Island, silo stay. If you've ever dreamed of sleeping in a converted grain silo. Oh, wow. I tell you. <laughs> you've come to the right place. It's Instagold.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, on the drive, and i got to say, you make a little diversion is needed here because the best cheese in the entire world is made right now, Akaroa. Uh, and that is called? Barry's Bay. Barry's Bay. Barry's and they've got a Bay. factory shop that you can stop at. Oh. And there's smoked cheese, or the cheese with chives, or the I could go on. Yes. Stop at Barry's Bay, get yourself some factory goodies.
1: Now... Yes. This actually is um, quite uh, notable because when this factory first produced its cheddar, it was 1895. Yes. <laughs> and today, Barry's Bay Cheese... Is just one of nine small family-owned dairy co-ops that began back in the late 19th century, and they are the sole survivor. The last man standing is Barry's Bay Cheese, the last outpost of traditional handcrafted cheese making on the peninsula.
0: Indeed. Now, before you stop there, just go to the hilltop tavern, have a few, you know, a few drinks, and get yourself ready for all that cheese
1: and drink in the view from the hilltop tavern. Look Absolutely.
0: Out. Yes. Mm. How's Akaroa? Faring without so many cruise ships now. There's mm. been a bit of a waiver here.
1: It's a double-edged sword because after the earthquakes in Christchurch, Littleton was out of action for the big, big ships. Yeah. So they went to Akaroa. Now Littleton has the new cruise berth. So the big, big ships, you know, that carry three, four, five thousand passengers and crew, they now go to Littleton, and Akaroa generally just gets the smaller ships, which I actually think is more conducive to Akaroa's village vibe. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, just before COVID, I was in Akaroa, and, I mean, it just felt unwieldy, the weight of humanity, disgorging from these ships, mangling the streets of Akaroa.
0: There's not really enough infrastructure in Akaroa to cope with that many people.
1: That's it. And, yeah, and those big ships had to tender so and, that they yeah. were out in the harbour and people would come across on little putt-putt chips. And it ruins the vibe. It does. It does. So, yeah, I think things are a lot better now. And it's still a bustling sort of place without it being frenetic.
0: Now, when in Akaroa, the best excursion of all has to be the Black Cat Cruises Nature Tour on Akaroa Harbour. This cruise, uh, it, you head out to the heads mm. and it is absolutely spectacular.
1: You will cruise past Onuku Marai, where the treaty was first signed in the South Island. Mm. Uh, you will see Cathedral Cave, where the ocean breathes in and out with a deafening roar. Absolutely. Nikau Palm Gully is a hanging valley high above the cliffs.
0: This is the southernmost grove of Nikau Palms in the world, and the abundance of marine, you know, wildlife hanging out there by the harbour entrance is absolutely astounding.
1: Yeah, it really is like National Geographic Unplugged because every day is different. So many penguins, so many hectares dolphins. I saw a calf carve uh, last time I was out there with black cat cruises, frolicking in the wake of the boat. I think the highlight for me on that cruise is scenery nook. This is a humongous rock formation it's like a volcanic amphitheatre, mm-hmm. and it's considered by geologists as one of the most dramatic sea cliffs in the world. And you've got all of these fiery reds in the rock. It really is quite otherworldly. It feels dangerous. It feels menacing. It feels unfamiliar. I felt like I'd been transported to a Martian landscape. It's like
0: a party at your place. <laughs> A truly unique experience in Akaroa is the Giant's House. Now, the Giant's House is very, very cool. Josie Martin's labour of love that has been 25 years in the making. And she calls it the happiest garden on earth, not to be confused with the happiest place on earth, which was Walt Disney, or at times Michael Jackson's
1: Ranch. Or sometimes my place on a Friday night. Indeed, yes, yes. yes. It's utterly mesmerising, the Giant's House. And it's interesting she calls it the happiest garden on earth because, Andrew, I reckon there is a whiff of Disney and a whiff of Gowdy to it.
0: I thought you were going to say Michael Jackson. <laughs> him,
1: it is quite bewitching in a, in, a, in a fantasy sort of way because what she has done, she has taken this grand old house, which was Akaroa's first BNZ bank manager's house. She bought the house and began designing the lush terraced garden around the manor house with all sorts of mosaics. So she's created all of these sculptures and characters really flamboyantly and brilliantly coloured mosaics. So, for example, in Barcelona, there is a place called Park Güell, which has that sort of Hansel and Gresel fantasy feel to it. Mm. You've got that, and because there are all these characters she has made, it does feel a bit Disney-esque, and that's why it is such a fabulous family hit
0: this is a must see if you have the kids in tow so coming up we long haul it to South America and some bucket list destinations back in a moment You're back with Keep We Stripsters, Mike and Andrew. Okay, switching tracks. And we're going to indulge some long-haul bucket list destinations. If you are eyeing up Peru before you head to Machu Picchu, savor the brilliance of Cuzco. And not to be confused with Costco, where you do some manga chopping. This is the heart of the Inca Empire. Now, how did you find the altitude? Because it's quite high.
1: It's certainly thinner air. Mm. Uh, Cusco is perched at 3,500 metres above sea level. So Ooh. compare that to our highest mountain. That is just slightly lower than the summit of Auraki Mount Kok. So, yeah, you will notice it. And if you want to avoid playing roulette with altitude sickness... Don't rush about.
0: No, take it easy, breathe deeply.
1: <laughs> yeah, rushing about will slay you. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a closet hypochondriac.
0: Sorry, can I have that in writing? <laughs> World's worst kept secret.
1: <laughs> I can be a bit of a worrywart. Sorry. Oh. Before I got to Cusco,
0: oh, here we go. At
1: Lima you, Airport, I you, thought I need to find something.
0: You bought half a pharmacy.
1: <laughs> I did. Mm. So I purchased a bag of cocoa leaf candy.
0: Did someone ask you to take that through customs for them? <laughs> in Peru?
1: Yes, be sure to buy it from a reputable store. <laughs> You don't know what you could be getting otherwise.
0: Is cocoa leaf candy in bags of white powder? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just take it through customs and I'll
1: get it on the other side. Oh my goodness. So uh-huh. uh, yeah. Have that. Gorge yourself on water and suck in lots of oxygen as you're walking about. Inhale. Inhale, baby. And that will works the truck for me. I definitely recommend the cocoa leaf candy. Right.
0: Now, is Cusco just a transit point to get to Machu Picchu? And uh, see, some people seem to just think that. Do a lot of travellers actually underestimate how good Cusco really is? They do,
1: definitely. Okay. Um, It is a common misconception that Cusco is just a staging post for the big dance. But there is just so much in Cusco. I reckon you need at least two nights in Cusco, and you'll enjoy that walk-through history lesson all of the city colour, lots of porticoed promenades, cobblestone lanes, and they just overspill with shops and eateries. Somehow, Cuzco has not succumbed to being just a heaving tourist trap.
0: And you're about to ruin that.
1: <laughs> well, it's just got such character to it. You'll see traditionally dressed kids resplendent in all of their multicoloured alpaca attire. Ooh. And these kids I was watching were like leading their little pet lambs down the road while mum is on her iPhone. It's just like <laughs> this just collision of eras in Cuzco, and I think that's what makes it a catch-your-breath destination in every
0: sense. Now, Cuzco was headquarters for the Inca Empire, and the imperial capital was laid out in the shape of a puma, but there was civil strife. <laughs> yes, always is. An Incan invasion of Game of Thrones when the Spanish arrived, which was swiftly exploited to conquer them.
1: Yes, they took no prisoners, the Spanish, did No, they, they
0: did not. Known for a good Inquisition.
1: <laughs> Not only did the Spanish flog their gold and their silver, but they built their own churches and palaces on top of Inca temples. They did. Marvelling at the engineering brilliance of all of those interlocking stone foundations. I think the Spanish are still wondering, how the hell did they do that?
0: Well, I think the whole world is wondering how the hell they did that. In fact, yes. the Incas built on something that was already there before them. Yes. So, But that's sort of into the deep dart. Depths of history that no one actually this knows. Is true. Mm.
1: Yes, yes, and of course, the Incans or maybe their predecessors uh, were sticklers about the solstice. Oh, yes. So, so all of their temples were positioned for illumination perfection. Mm. Solstice and equinox. Yes. What are the big set pieces here? Well, I think the big kahuna is the Temple of the Sun, even though a church now sits on top of its foundations. Of course it does. (laughs) So Andean priests still oversee and perform ancient rituals at the site to usher in the seasons, although they have dispensed with human sacrifice. That we know of. Yes. At Cusco Cathedral, you can see how the Spanish did try and convert the locals by using Andean icons, So as an example, there is um, a stunning old Last Supper painting in which the disciples were about to tuck into guinea pig,
0: (laughs) not bread. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) So take this guinea
1: pig and eat it. (laughs) Do this in memory of me. Exactly. Right. Yes. The other treat Mm -hmm. in the cathedral is El Negrito, and this is a dark-skinned figure of Christ who was paraded around Cusco by terrified residents during the 1650 earthquake. This was a mega quake. Miracle or not, the earth stopped rupturing. So to this day, at the cathedral, you will find fresh flowers being laid by locals beneath the sculpture of El Negrito. A a dark-skinned Christ. Yes. Well, how about that? That was actually quite um, edgy, wasn't um, it? I mean,
0: everybody knows that, you know, Christ was blonde hair with blue eyed, <laughs> despite being born where he was born. This is true in the what Middle East. are yeah. the chances of <laughs>
1: that? Yeah.
0: How about it? San Pedro Market
1: will rock your senses. Uh, what, <laughs> what are the standouts here? What a sensory exploding knockout of a place. And sadly, many visitors miss it because they're just in such a hurry to get to Machu Picchu. Mm. But San Pedro Market, what I loved, all of the noble old ladies uh, in their noble white top hats, they're like the market queens, the matriarchs of the market. The hyacinth bouquets. Very much. Mm. There is a huge bay devoted to chicken soup, which the locals just seem to live on. It's like an all-day breakfast. Chicken soup is very comforting. There is that. There is this old-school juice bar. With all sorts of weird concoctions like brown cow jelly. <laughs> really? Which is a natural collagen. Yeah. So the tables are stacked to the heavens with nuts that I have never heard of.
0: You can buy your offering to the gods here. All right. Indian style with prepackaged portions of herbs,
1: cocoa leaves and incense. Mm. All sorts of interesting potions. Oh, yes. But the meat section, (laughs) (laughs) the meat section is your blood and gore blockbuster, featuring every, Mm. and I'm saying every, (laughs) imaginable body part, from cows' mouths to their testicles to pigs' stomachs. It's all proudly showcased. There's a bargain every day. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Get your fill. Just out of Cuzco, there's a very cute town, Chinchero, which is a must-see.
1: Yes, it's famed for its dedication to the old way of life and the recently excavated temple terraces. I think it's fair to say all over Peru. Mm. There's all sorts of stuff lurking <laughs> below ground. I think you'd be right there. Yeah. These terraces are incredible. The place looks freeze-framed with adobe houses and villages fully clad in traditional woolen garb Going about their daily business, it's a great place for a wander. And by the way, I nearly, I nearly tied the knot. What to a little villager in Chinchero? What? Yes, her mother said to me, six cows, and you can have her." <laughs> And you only had
0: five on you. So, I did. Uh, I did.
1: Yeah, where's yeah. that
0: sixth cow when you need it? Exactly.
1: Now, price wise, how does Cuzco stack up with sort of traveling around these hair parts? Really good. Yeah. Um the region proudly struts its Andean stripes and nothing quite says Cuzco like their alpaca garments. A lot of people, when they go to this part of the world, they think, oh, I need to bring something home that is, you know, sort of local, yokel, authentic. If you want to snap-up, really good value and good quality alpaca apparel, Cusco is so much cheaper than buying it in Machu Picchu.
0: Right. Sticking with South America, Mike is always up for a gusher. Uh, Have to find one for five cows. Doesn't have number six. So we head to Iguaza Falls next. Don't go away. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. If you like your waterfalls, Michael does, uh, you will know that the Brazil-Argentine border plays host to one of the world's greatest falls, Iguazu. But getting to these falls takes a little bit of effort. Oh, yes. Did you have an e-bike to
1: do this? Could have done with one. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It is an appointment destination, Iguazu, because it's totally off the beaten track and it's not on the way to somewhere else. Uh, You know, how inconvenient. One of the world's greatest
0: waterfalls. I think they could have created it by a main street in the city.
1: That's it. Highly inconsiderate. I know. So you have to catch a flight from either Rio or Buenos Aires to get there to drive it. It's a 22-hour trip. (laughs) From Buenos Aires. Yeah, well, so to see some of the world's wonders, you have to make a bit of effort. <sighs> but I tell you what, despite all the hype about these waterfalls, yeah. they do live up to their billing. Yeah, From above, it's as though a giant fist has pulverised the plateau, <laughs> it's dramatic, It's shattering the earth's crust and creating a deep chasm where the rivers plunge over the cliffs. Mm. It is a ridiculously humongous natural spectacle, which prompted one recent visitor to describe Iguazu as Niagara on Viagra.
0: (laughs) That's quite good. Now, to give a sense of the size of these waterworks, they are four times the width and twice as high as Niagara Falls four times as wide and twice as high as Niagara Falls. They fan out nearly three kilometres in a horseshoe shape, and they actually comprise over 250 waterfalls, all sort of together, Mm. with 80-metre drops into the gorge.
1: Nearly as long as a rugby field. That's a lot of water. Mm. Mm. So by any measure you'd have to say these falls are colossal. Yeah. And the sheer force of the water flow yeah. could fill 5 Olympic-sized swimming pools every single second. Wow. That's a gusher. So
0: <laughs> if you think of the old pool at QE2 in Christchurch. Yes. Totally empty. Yes. Could fill that 5 times in a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure.
1: The high point the the nerve center of Iguazu Falls is what they call Devil's Throat. It's this ecological blockbuster. It's a ferocious convulsion of surging water. Mm. And Devil's Throat drops into a vast milky abyss that creates a permanent cloud of mist. It's a beast of a thing, and you actually hear it. It's like this deafening roar as you're walking along the platform to look over the edge into this milky abyss, and it's just roaring like a freight train. Yeah,
0: yeah. It would. There's a lot of energy going in here.
1: There is. I did make one mistake, which is (laughs) I should point this out as a health and safety recommendation. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to pack a poncho. (laughs) So when we say mist, a (laughs) cloud of mist, think at torrential rainfall because that's how much water was shooting up after devil's throat went over the edge. So what
0: happened? You had to do –
1: Well, I thought I don't really want to get – drenched. So I ended up being mugged $20 US for a glorified sheet of glad wrap masquerading as a poncho. I
0: saw you coming.
1: They did. Mm-hmm. But you will want it to have it when you walk to the end of that platform. It is like walking into the world's biggest open air rain
0: Another unmissable experience is to take a jet boat ride. We like jet boat rides around the falls. At first, it's all very gentle and sedate. Great chance to snap some waterfalls at their base, a few nice picky pickies. And then you've got to turn the cameras off uh, because it's like a scene from Apocalypse Now.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, cameras away, and then boom, we just plunged into the jaws of Devil's Throat. <laughs> the spray was so dense. It was disorientating. There is like zero visibility as you're just sitting in the jet boat thinking, where the hell have we gone? And you just know, well, you just hope the skipper knows <laughs> the way out. It is terrifying but exhilarating. And needless to say, my 20 US dollar sheet of Glad wrap was ripped to shreds. <laughs>
0: So wear some robust clothing if you're going to be uh, on this ride. Totally. So, okay, tell me, Argentina or Brazil? Big question. Which side of the falls has the edge, so to speak?
1: Mm -hmm. This is such a patriotic battle of conquest, this one.
0: I know. It's like Greece, Turkey, Argentina, Brazil. Which one? It is.
1: Well, the thing about the falls is it's the only place in the world where I've been to where you've got two international airports operating so close to each other. But both countries certainly strive to get the biggest slice of the pie when it comes to the falls. Argentina, I would say, provides the best intimate, up-close encounters with the falls. I'm pleased you qualified that. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Brazil blows their neighbour out of the water for your wide-angle panoramics. Like, if you want to sort of, like, get an overview of just the immensity of In ferocity of these falls, Brazil's got it in spades. Argentina for intimacy, Brazil for immensity. What about the waterfalls?
0: (laughs) Now, what about the wildlife? I'm sure you met some birds being uh, the Ah. bird lover that you are. You you love to look at them. They get all flappy and you start jumping around, but that's okay.
1: Twitching, here we go. Mm -hmm. The falls are fringed in Atlantic Tropical rainforest which would suggest you're going to find some pretty stunning critters. Indeed. My favourite, the toucans. Oh, the toucans. Big, noble-looking birds with bright and bulbous orange beaks.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. We a maths teacher like that, but anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was he called Mr. (laughs) Toucan? No. Uh, In fact, you may recall injured toucans recently have been getting new beaks courtesy of 3D printing. Yeah. Mm. Clever, eh?
0: Good use for 3D
1: printing. Mm. You'll see hordes of giant butterflies, taper monkeys, and the most beastly creatures called koati, which are similar to raccoons, but they are pathological scavengers. They are totally fearless of people. There are thousands of these guys, koati in the Iguazu National Park. Do not annoy them. They have a very nasty bite. Again, like a teacher I had once. (laughs) Now, when is the best time to go here? Spring and autumn are best. Summer, insanely hot and humid. Winter, no good. The waterfalls are considerably lower, which I know sounds kind of Irish. Hmm. You'd expect a lot of water in winter, but no, not on the Argentine-Brazilian border.
0: Yeah, well... Hmm. Such is life. Yeah. That's it for this edition. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes. Yes, they are available
1: on the website kiwitripsters.co.nz. For great travel reading, check out the travel articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz.
0: We'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice, and we service you everywhere.
1: Oh, yes. And with your feedback, whether you want to gush lyrical like Iguasu or bite us in the ass like a coati, you are very welcome.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Look forward to catching you in our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care now. Tally ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters.